looks like we are live on Twitter as well as YouTube. So this is actually the first time that I'm doing this duel. So apologies if there's there's any hangups here. Uh, so good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to the Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up for the 1st of November 2019. This week's weekly roundup is sponsored by eToro. It's a really cool, neat platform. It lets you buy and sell Bitcoin safely and securely. You know, they existed before Bitcoin was even created and offer some really neat tools for newbies and experts alike. So if you're new to trading and you want to, you can just use something like copy trading, which lets you allocate a percentage of your portfolio to as many traders that you want to. You can find successful ones and find ones that you think are doing good. And it automates it. So whenever they trade an asset, so do you. Uh, find guys who know what they're doing and then you basically get the benefit of their experience and they get a benefit of a percentage of what you made off of them. So everybody wins. So if you go to diginocrypto.com slash eToro, that's E-T-O-R-O, you'll get 50 bucks for free as well. So this lets them know that you're a listener uh, of this show, which makes them happy and makes me happy. And then you get 50 bucks. So once again, everybody wins. But let's take a look at the price. Uh, since the last weekly wrap up, uh, Bitcoin's price has rallied all the way up to over 10,000 or it went all the way up to 10,000, about 10,500, if I'm not mistaken. And it's, it's fallen back down to the low 9,000s. And actually, let's just take a look at where it's at as of the 31st of October at about eight. Yeah, 9,100. That was that was pretty much the same as when I was looking this morning. Um, and uh, as of 31 October 2019, we're sitting at 9,100. So that's pretty, you know, I'll take that. Uh, so the first story of the day is a holiday in Bitcoin. Uh, this was the anniversary of the launch of the white paper on this day, 11 years ago. An individual named Satoshi Nakamoto used a vision mail email address and wrote the following email to the cryptography mailing list. He said, I've been working on a new electronic cash system that's fully peer-to-peer with no trusted third party. He attached the white paper. For, actually, for the most part, he received really no response from the cryptography uh, cypherpunk community outside of Hal Finney, who was just a wonderful human being and a very principled cypherpunk himself. And since then, you know, Bitcoin has grown in popularity and acceptance and the future is very bright. I mean, obviously it has grown or none of us would be here. Most of us uh, joined in the uh, long after Satoshi first released the white paper. So we all have him to thank for that. Uh, the next story is on the topic of taxation and the new IRS guidance. So I uncovered their incredibly bad take on forks and airdrops a few weeks ago um, on the weekly wrap up, but there have been some new developments. Has this been within the last day or two? They issued um, some some new guidance, and I, I don't know if, if I've talked about this on the pod. I think I've mentioned it, but I'm actually in the middle of some issues with the IRS uh, for this very reason months back when they, if you remember when they sent the notifications out, it was, they kind of reported as there's like different tiers, different levels of the letters, you know, the one, one, the, like the lowest, excuse me, the lowest level level of letters stating that they're saying like, we know you might've been exposed to some Bitcoin and you may have bought in some, so you should look at your records and let us know if you need to change your, your taxes, if you incurred any tax liabilities. The next level being that the IRS would write you and say, we we believe 
that you may owe some taxes, but we don't have any specific numbers. You look over your records to be sure. And then the final level being like, we know that you have had some taxable events occur, uh, but they don't know specifically and they haven't actually kind of, you know, obviously, unless they have uh, records of specific exchanges. Uh, so they're saying you need to send in ASAP an amended 1040 to show the capital gains and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My letter was actually beyond that. It was a letter straight to the point. They said I owe tens of thousands of dollars in back taxes plus penalties plus interest. And this was a mistake since they had received a form from Uphold, one of the exchanges that I used, uh, that basically showed the total volume. So if I bought 10 grand in Bitcoin and then I immediately sold it, they'd show 20 grand in volume. If I sent in Bitcoin, if I sent it out, that would count as volume too that, that went through there. Uh, and... You know, I didn't know as well that I needed to file a form 8949. What I did was is I took all the gains that I'd made and I just slapped it into, you know, the capital gains Schedule D. Well, what I didn't do is I didn't file the form 8949, which lets them know the cost basis. When you bought it, what you sold it for, and then what that lets them know is X amount of profit. So if I bought it for 3000 I sold it for ten. I have $7,000 in, in, a, in tax, you know, in, in income for, as far as a taxable event. So without that 8949, they just assumed all the cost basis was zero. So if I, if I sold a Bitcoin for $10,000, they just assumed I just gifted it. And now I, I just got free $10,000. So it was a mistake on their part per se, but it was on me for not doing the right thing and sending in the right forms. And you know, this also incurs some very steep fees and penalties for what they call substantial unreported income. So if they find out you owed, you know, that there was, um, I, I had another issue where some of the income that I had from Amazon, it was like 500 bucks or something like that was, I, I reported it just in my, um, just regular self-employed income. I didn't file the 1099 with it. So they couldn't match that up. So they just assumed I didn't report it. And for that, you know, when you're talking about a few dollars difference, that doesn't really incur steep fines and stuff like that at all. But when you're talking tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars, it's substantial unreported income. So it has a much steeper fine that goes along with it. So I've been working for months to figure out the amount, you know, and, and the amount of shitcoin trading that I was doing daily made the thing. It, it's a mess to try to figure that out. Uh, it's just been a nightmare because, you know, when I send one transaction out from one exchange and into another, sometimes they don't match up and there's so much stuff going in and out. It's just been a, a, it's another reason why I don't do a lot of trading these days anymore. Uh, so I believe I have it handled and I'm waiting to see if they agree. It's not over, but I'm pretty sure um, I'm done with it. But um, I tell you, this is a warning as lessons learned. You know, we can disagree on how the IRS conducts itself and taxes and all that kind of stuff. But at the, you know, you don't want to end up in jail or, or lose everything because you got loose with your tax reporting. So my word of advice is don't invite the department of making you sad into your life ever. Take advantage of all the benefits and write-offs and all that stuff that you can, but don't invite the department of making you sad into your life. Um, so back to the actual story, the, the guidance is that forks are basically treated as airdrops. But if you hold Bitcoin, let's just say you held Bitcoin in... Uh, Coinbase, and they don't support the fork, you don't owe money. So in BSV split from BCH, if you had uh, uh, 
Bitcoin Cash and, and Coinbase, they don't support BSV, so you don't have to pay any taxes on it. If they eventually do, and you are owed the X amount of Bitcoin or a BSV because of the BCH that you held, then you actually do have to pay taxes on it. Uh, this makes it very weird for hodlers since if you don't, uh, if you if you uh, I'm sorry if you do hold your own keys, but you don't care to take the time to expose those private keys to move the 10 Bitcoin diamond valued at $500 for the cost basis at launch, you you it's now worth five bucks, but you owe taxes on that 500 bucks. So if you never you know when all this was going on, you're like I'm not exposing my my private keys to get Bitcoin Diamond or Bitcoin Forever or Bitcoin God or whatever all these goofy things were. Uh, the IRS now considers if you held 10 Bitcoin and you got the Bitcoin Diamond, the 10 Bitcoin Diamond when it launched and what they count as the taxable event is when that new fork basically appeared on the blockchain. When that first if you want to call it a Genesis block, it's not really a Genesis block, but whatever, the first block of Bitcoin diamond came into existence, whatever its fair market value was, is what it's what it's worth. So now you have a $500 taxable event for someone that's worth five bucks. Um, you know, for, for hodlers, like I said, in 2017, this is a real problem. You know, they have these dog crap projects that the IRS accounting standards is going to create a really big tax obligation, especially for people that hold a lot of Bitcoin. Um, and this is for projects that were overvalued, uh, you know, but for the few exchanges that support them, the, you know, like some of these Bitcoin Diamond or Bitcoin God, they'll have like two or three exchanges that may support them. So they have local liquidity, but some sort of goofy high, high price launch that just craters eventually afterwards. And I think they know this. I don't think that this is um, goofy. I don't, I know that they say don't attribute to malice that which should be attributed to ignorance, but I, I just don't think that they don't understand this and they can't look at the charts of all these goofy airdrops and see, especially ones in 2017, launched really high and then just cratered out. And this idea that you now owe tax obligation is something that they never said you had to worry about. Now you do. Now it's worth five bucks, but you owe it on 500. It's, it's goofy. So if you hold your own private keys, you're now... I think that the reason I think they're doing this on purpose is if you're on Coinbase and they never supported these hundred random random forks, you're fine. No tax, no tax problem. But if you hold your own private keys, you're now paying a fine to hold your own private keys. Um, and, and this is an attack vector on, on long-term hodlers or known long-term hodlers, because all you have to really do is what if somebody just wants to start bleeding them out by creating these rando projects, getting a few exchanges in on it so that they value it for a fair market value of high of a high price, and then they just exit scam it. And then now all these long-term hodlers are owing, well, this thing was worth $2,000 when, when it first launched. Now you owe it. And there's nowhere to dump it anyways, even if you wanted to. Um, so sorry to go long uh, on this last one, but I think it's... You know, it's, it's an important and uh, important thing to consider and be be aware of. Uh, Ripple is back in the news as it nears an all-time high of 1.7 million daily transactions. Uh, the last time it was at this point was in the bull market of late 2017. Uh, what's important to note is that no one really knows why this is. Um, there's probably a good reason for this. It costs 0. 0, uh, it's 5, 0. 0.00003 right now to send a transaction. Um, not to move one ripple, but just to send whatever. 
which would easily allow for fake volume to be pumped. I could create that volume less what it costs for uh, Starbucks diabetes faux coffee. And admit no evidence of this, but in the interests, you know, when you kind of look at incentives of the centralized Ripple execs to create an illusion of use and increase use over time, um, the abilities to create you know, random wallets and be moving things all around automatically and just kind of set it on a bot algorithm would not be hard and would not cost them pennies considering the amount of money that they've made off of this. Um, and guess, given that there's no real use, just announcements of partnerships considering of uh, consisting of Dave in accounting uh, who's looking at this project at a bank. A lot of times when you see this, like, oh, we're partnering with not Morgan Stanley's not one of them, but they'll say we're partnering with Morgan Stanley. What they'll do is we'll have some low-level intern who they're saying, hey, learn about this Ripple thing. See if it works for us. Open up a wallet. Kind of send stuff around. See what you like. And they'll announce this as though they are about to merge as companies and get shares of stock. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, there isn't any more... I haven't seen any of these, hey, uh, MoneyGram is sending all their transactions or 20% of their transactions through Ripple. None of this. None of these acknowledgements. So this volume is consisting of exchanges and traders and stuff like that and probably people already inside on Ripple. I, I haven't seen it. There's no indication. There's no, no even attempt to indicate that this is new blood or use cases. Um, the next one is Rusal, a Russian uh, aluminum giant. It's a, a megacorp. And they've been hit pretty hard by the latest round of U.S. sanctions. And they are actually leasing one of their aluminum plants or a part of it and uh, Corellia to a startup Bitcoin mining company. And a small portion of the plant will basically be converted to a Bitcoin mining operation to take advantage of their cheap energy. It's not the size. It's not the location. It's not the room per se. It's the cheap energy that's already on site. And a lot of these industrial things uh, or industrial plants and stuff, they have on-site energy generation to run all this stuff and it provides a great opportunity especially if they're starting to wane or you know a lot of times there's cyclic cycles in specific industries i remember i lived in an area where there's a malignant mine and basically the way it worked and it was more due to the way that government regulations go but they would mine out they'd hire up and then every three or four years uh you know because of just average price fluctuations as well as development which was planned into these uh, normal kind of cycles it, it'd go down they they do a lot of layoffs and everybody was used to this, this is just how the mine's always been and then they'd get approval for the next area and then they start to ramp up and then you know anyway so a lot of these ebbs and flows it provides opportunities for extremely mobile bitcoin miners to come in uh, so they're now converting this wasted or underutilized energy um you know into digital sovereignty and I think a lot of people miss this when it comes to Bitcoin mining energy usage. And I've realized I've talked about this probably the last few episodes uh, that I did episode 28 um, on Bitcoin mining energy use, which I think a lot of you would find interesting. But, you know, Bitcoin mining seeks out underutilized or wasted energy, which I think uh, is good. It's the cheapest available. That's why they are looking for it. It helps keep the overheads uh, overhead low for them. And they use this waste, this lack of use um, for for a global good. And this is a trend I think will continue as price and demand increases over time. And really, what's so bad about not letting electricity be wasted? Not a dang thing, in my opinion. And the last 
story that we're going to be doing is another positive one. Hey, we're actually having a pretty positive week. A new company, Coin Firm, a sleuthing, blockchain sleuthing company, which wants to provide a way for those who had Bitcoin or other crypto assets stolen, whether this was through exchange hacks, exit scams, or just straight up you know, theft and stealing your Bitcoin out of your wallet, personal wallets, maybe. Um, now people kind of have a way, a, a place to, to turn to. Right now, all you can do is basically go to the police who will pretty much do nothing, likely issue report that you can now use to wipe your butt with because that's about all it'll be good for. So this is because a big shortcoming, uh, shortcoming in Bitcoin is the inability to get insurance coverage over it like you would your home or your car or other assets. And I know that on other episodes, I have argued that, and I do agree with my guests, that Bitcoin is not actually property and all that, but I don't want to get into that that sort of thing. But you can consider it an asset. Um, and you can't get insurance coverage of this. Short of larger institutions like Backed or Coinbase, there really isn't an option for the average person or average startup to try uh, to get insurance or to try and recover what they lost. Um, so, you know, whether it, it well, anyways, we, we don't need to go into that. I don't want to make this, uh, I'm trying to keep this a little bit shorter this week. Uh, what CoinFirm actually does, CoinFirm um, does, is they're kind of like chain analysis. They partner with exchanges and other liquidity providers and things like that in Bitcoin. They gather a large amount of data from exchanges and all these other platforms and so that they can see what's going out, what's coming in. To get a larger picture of what coins are where and how they got there, uh, they will also use a lot of traditional techniques, you know, like court orders to IP addresses associated with scams, hacks, or anything like that. Um, or employ investigators as well that are familiar with kind of uh, cyber sleuthing and, and digital forensics to kind of go into the, the so-called dark web, which is really just the uh, the unregistered on Google sort of websites. But anyways, the, the dark web sounds much scarier. Uh, and this is, but this is the kind of places where sales of do dirty coins and talks of hacks and things like that do occur. And they'll actually go through there and it's almost like a human intel sort of deal where they're actually going and try to find human intel sources on where X hack coins might have ended up. So CoinFirm, uh, coin I keep it coin, coin farm. Coin firm in turn would take a percentage of the recovered funds and offer the ability um, to partner with, you know, you could partner with law firms to seek restitution if they can identify these individuals or identify wherever they may have ended up. Um, and I think firms like this are a very good thing and they are a necessary tool that that needs to be established so that free market solutions like insurance for your Bitcoin assets can enter the space for the average user. I think that that's an all around good thing and that's what's going to help bring more stability in the mind, right? Because this idea of you're a lot less concerned about the things in your home. You're a lot less concerned, which there there are trade-offs with that, but you're not worried about going off on vacation per se and your house burning down. Like you don't want to lose your stuff, but like you go, you're not worried like, oh, if that happens, I don't know where I'm going to live, right? You will have, you have that insurance option and things like that. And I think that that's a lot of trepidation where if you could purchase insurance like you can when you buy something off of Amazon and they always hit you like, would you like to buy some insurance on your $14 headphones? Absolutely do never, don't do that ever. But, you know, it, it does give you peace of mind and the ability to do that for something of higher value. 
So that's it for this week's weekly wrap up. I want to thank you guys for listening or watching. Uh, wherever, you know, whatever way you're consuming this content. If you could please leave a review on iTunes, just go to my website at didyouknowcrypto.com and click on the Apple icon to leave a review. Also show some love and my sponsor, eToro, who offer the best place to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin with the largest community, low fees, high security. And if you go over to didyouknowcrypto.com slash eToro, you'll get that 50 bucks for free and then they will be very happy with me. So anyways, guys, I really appreciate it. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great night.